Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. The, the term we use for this value is celebrate differences, act as one. And it spans all diversity, all inclusion, it's ideas, culture, ethnicity, sexual orientation, because with that comes amazing stuff. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Gary Brockman. Gary is the CEO of Second Mind, a business dedicated to helping the automotive innovators design better cars and achieve greater sustainability through machine learning. Gary is a passionate leader who joined the company in 2019 as the VP of Product and Marketing, later becoming the Chief Product Officer, and ultimately in 2021, he became the Chief Executive Officer. With over 20 years of leadership experience building and commercialising products and service lines for Fortune 500 companies, Gary joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thanks for joining us today, Gary. I'm uh, really excited to speak with you. Thank you for, for coming to share your story. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat. Oh, no worries. I'm looking forward to it. So can you tell us a little bit about Second Mind, the organization that you lead? Yeah, so we are a Cambridge-based, Cambridge UK-based um, mid-stage startup. It's probably the best way to put it. And mm-hmm. we have been in the world of machine learning since the day that we were founded. Um, our, our real, if you look at where we're, we're, our sweet spot is, um, we're really about applying machine learning to help improve engineering sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get really specific to our purpose, we're in the automotive space. We're actually spending more of our time in the short to midterm helping the innovators, the engineers in automotive build better cars and do that faster mm-hmm. uh, and achieve their sustainab- sustainability goals through machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we had just a little bit of backstory. After six years, we were primarily, for the majority of that time, a research-centric company. We were looking and exploring many industries and seeing where the technology that we knew we had that was unique, where is it best applied? Where can we actually deliver the most value, have the biggest impact? And it turned out that this transition that um, and the challenges that the automotive industry is facing today, mm-hmm. of which there are many, um, there are very complex engineering challenges that the industry needs to solve to be able to get to this greener future that everybody's looking for, where you have you know a zero emissions mobility world. Um, it's not an overnight change. It's a multi-year and multi-decade change. Mm-hmm. To make that um, efficient and faster, you need machine learning, state-of-the-art machine learning and artificial intelligence like what we deliver mm-hmm. to help make that transition faster. So I'm kind of capturing a little bit more beyond what you asked for, but um, yeah, it, it, we're settled into the automotive business. We're looking at really high complexity problems mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's a, it's a great challenge to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're the chief exec of that organization. And so mm-hmm. in that position, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? What are the key oh. challenges? Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, well, yeah. So, I, in the spirit of transparency, uh, this is my first role, first time as a CEO. I've been in a number of organizations, executive level, large and small, and big enterprise, small company. Um, but I was asked by the board to take over the CEO role or take on the CEO role back in June of last year. So, in my, I'm in my first year, and. If you look at the success rate of startups in general, it's quite low. 
you have great ideas, you have to figure out a way to turn that idea into a product or mm -hmm. something of value that you can repeat and generate revenue. Yeah. Um, 90% of the time, you don't figure that out. 10% of the time, you might. Um, we had gone, we had looked at a number of industries, as I mentioned a minute ago, um, and we spent a lot of time exploring. And what we found was this market that we were in. And when I was asked to at least start taking a look at the business at the, the CEO level last year, like, how do we really optimize the investment that we have, a problem that we know exists, yeah. how do we exploit that and turn it into something that delivers value longer term? Um, the the challenges that we face are like any other startup, like focus. How do you just go through the rigor of product development and product discovery and bang against the problem over and over and over yeah. um, and resist the temptation to try to solve many problems at once because that's not a sustainable equation. And that's actually what, that's a mistake that we've made previously. Too much, big, big eyes bigger than our stomach mm -hmm. and everything's possible. But really, focus is necessary to prove that first thing. And upon that, you can build yeah. and do many other things. So I think focus is the one of the biggest things motivating folks through change. Um, folks that may have signed up for one thing, and on the other side of a transition, it's different. Uh -huh. It's not the same problem, not the same company, different set of values, uh, you know, and for the right reasons, a culture change. And it may or may not work for folks, but trying to bring as many people along for the journey really infuse the belief system. And yeah, it's like, these are really big, big you know, leadership challenges to, yeah. that you have to contend with, especially through a big transition. Absolutely. And I suppose when you're working in such an innovative space, it's very easy to want to solve all the problems because you, you and your team will very much be of that mindset. So I can see how focus would be high on your agenda. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because the, we're, we started off with academic research being at the center of this. Mm -hmm. And academic research is unbridled in so many ways. It's like, if you really want to brainstorm and you really want to just go out and be Magellan or what, pick, a, pick an explorer, mm -hmm. uh, all you, uh, as long as the money's there and as long as you have all the time, you can just explore forever. Uh -huh. But the money does run out. And you know the, 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 the rigor in trying to be disciplined and take that, take that research ingenuity and that spirit, harness it, but then apply it to a problem, a real world problem where you're, you're talking less about the, the technology and more about the problem that you're solving and how you're going to solve that problem. Uh -huh. that, was a, that was a reorientation in thinking here too. Yeah. Um, we're very problem centric now. We're very proud of our technology, but mm -hmm. it's really what is the application of the technology that really matters? That's what our customers want to know. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey into leadership then? Were you always, I know you sort of suggested that it, it sounds as though it's fairly organic, but was there always an intention to be a chief exec or was it just that you found an organization that you were particularly passionate about and it happened organically? So I'd never had CEO on my career plan. Okay. That was not a, that was not something that I had entertained I figured at one point in time, I may decide that I have the self-control and the discipline to start a company. But, you know, large or small companies, I found myself to be, I really liked collaborating with folks and not, then maybe not taking on the pressure or the burden. I may, I didn't understand what that really was. Um, but no, it wasn't something that I aspired to, to become a CEO. That wasn't my thing. But throughout my career, 
Um, and I started off, by the way, I started my career in public relations and communications. I don't have an engineering degree like many of my peers in this high technology space. I started off on the communication side. Mm-hmm. And to be a good communicator of the stuff and the companies and the people that you represent, you really have to understand all that inside and out. Otherwise, you're phoning it in or you're just reading off of a script. And throughout that discovery process with my clients and my customers, I realized that, well, I can communicate this stuff very well, but I'd like to be on the creation side, too. So how do I I take those steps in my journey to be more on the creation side and still leverage the communication skills Mm -hmm. and evangelize, right? I think to me, when I... There, there are points in my career where I think, generally speaking, communication was a big deal. But at Qualcomm, which was the company that I worked with before Second Mind, mm-hmm. I finally went, I finally had joined the ranks of what I would consider, you know, world-class product management, high technology. Mm-hmm. And I led two major initiatives. One was a wireless audio platform that I was brought in to start through a little Android app. And then that turned into a piece of hardware and software and all the trimmings to stream audio around your house, like a Sonos system Uh to do that. I had to lead. I didn't have any direct reports. I had nobody that I managed. You have to motivate everyone around you, bring them on the journey, help them understand, tell the stories. This is what we're about. This is the problem we're going to solve. This is how we're going to make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. I think that's for the first time where I was, it was really about leadership. wasn't about management. Okay. wasn't about, and there are people to help with the orchestration, but bringing people along who otherwise don't have any tie to you. Like, yes, you want to help. And yes, you're here to help. You're going to pick the priorities that matter and the things that are interesting to you. So it's really leadership is at the center of that. Yeah. Um, I had two programs like that at Qualcomm. So coming in here as the head of product, which is what I started as, it was the same mentality. Um, and the same approach, albeit in a different world, mm-hmm. different culture, different standards. Um, and I got here three or four months before COVID hit. So yeah. there was like, how do you then take an organization that is now completely federated and remote mm-hmm. and have the same level of connection and motivation and clarity and thinking and communication? Uh-huh. That was tough. Um Getting into the CEO role, I mean, I felt I was prepared for it. And the first six months of last year, I was sharing the burden with two other gentlemen who were part of the executive team because we didn't have a CEO for the first half of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So taking on those responsibilities, kind of road tested training wheels, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I really, it it was the right challenge for me. And it's like, why haven't I done this before? Uh And there's a there's a mentor that I'll tell you about too in this conversation. Yeah. Who said I don't know why you didn't do it before either. It's like you always had it. So uh-huh. anyway, very yeah. interesting how things work out. It is. It is. I'm fascinated. Everybody's got a different journey into leadership, and everybody's got a different journey, yeah. you know, within leadership. But so you mentioned communication and collaboration previously. Are there are there skills that you think define a great leader or characteristics that you define a great leader that all of them should have, or is it very much case by case in your opinion? Yeah, it's funny. Cause um, I don't know if there's been one particular leader that I have gravitated towards or have worked for. There, 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 there are a few consistent traits, but there's a lot of variability in the personalities, but the things that have been consistent um, are a, a genuine 
willingness and ability to listen mm-hmm. and not talk. Uh, just listen to what people have to say. Yeah. Um, being self-aware, I think, is it's a, it's a make it or break it for mm-hmm. your success and your ability to have people follow you, listen to you. Um, and when I say follow, I don't mean like be directive. I mean people that want to come on the journey that you're yeah. taking them on. Um, yeah, self-awareness is a is a huge. If you don't know what you're good at, what you're bad at, what your blind spots are, uh, and you're not willing to face that, yeah. you're going to have a challenge. And people around you're going to know. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is just sharing and being open about mistakes and faults and failures. Because mm-hmm. if you can lead that way, say, "No, I was wrong. See this? That was my mistake. We learned from it." People are going to be more willing to take those chances in a startup. You need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. CEO or the leader is actually bearing it all. Like, okay, I guess it's okay. I don't have to be nervous about that. I can, yeah. I can trip and I can pick myself back up. Um, being, being outcome focused. It's like there's a lot of stuff we need to do day to day. But where, what's the real outcome? Where, where, where do we want? What's the, what's the end result of the work that we're doing? Not just and not just the hey, here's a contract and we have a we're we're obligated to do something contractually, but what does that lead to? What's the higher level purpose yeah. that this this ends up solving? That even the customer may not know, but really fits our our purpose, like yeah. sustainability being a big big piece of that. Um, and then the North Star effect. Mm-hmm. Um, people use the North Star sometimes. I think is a they, they miss they misuse it. Right. It's the instrument of the star, of this bright light that's in the distance that you never reach, but it guides you so that you're not going 40, 50 percent, 90 degrees left or right. You always know you're headed in a specific direction with some you're allowed to deviate, but you know where you're going. Um, For me, that's been a kind of an anchor for for me personally, but also Mm -hmm. what I've seen great leaders be able to articulate what the North Star is and do it through a method of storytelling that brings people along. Yeah. I think the storytelling, it's what it it can be a separate line item, but the journey that that, to find that North star to reach that North star is all about the telling of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And over the last couple of years, I think if you haven't had that North star, you probably have got knocked all over the place on the, on the journey. Yeah, totally. Totally. At this day and age. So when I, I, just to share when, when I, when I was asked to lead the company, I I told the board that we're going to focus on a particular industry that you didn't intend us to, but it's where the problem exists and it's going to be a stepping stone and we can exploit Mm -hmm. many problems of this ilk in automotive, but we know that we can help many industries. I said, but the the fabric of our culture um, is woven by a number of threads. There's the mission and vision, but we just refer to as our purpose. Um, there are values, which the company had previously, but they, they were more words on a page than us embodying them. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the first things that I did was try to weave the, these, the, the primary threads of the cultural fabric of which the purpose or vision was one. Um, and we didn't want to be just a technology company trying to be cool with our ML and like, hey, we're going to be the latest, greatest without a purpose. Mm-hmm. What, what do we have as people at the end of the day? Yeah. yeah, What's that, what's that higher order contribution that we're going to make and that we all are aligned around and that really motivate us beyond the the grind of the day. Mm -hmm. That that, that was very important for me. 
it's critical at the moment. I think especially with the talent market the way that it is, it's absolutely paramount that organisations know who they are and that they're able to communicate that to the wider marketplace. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that point. And, 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 so, and I think the other thing to be clear on is that North Star should be pretty bright and clear. You don't really, that's not something you want to tinker with too much. Yeah. But on that journey, you, it's okay to, to course correct. It's okay to modify. It's okay to expand yeah. based on what you learn and the experience that you have. You don't want it to be so fluid that your identity is like schizo. It's like you have 10 identities and people don't know really what you're about. But yeah. I think to as leaders or as as folks within an organization, it's okay for things to change and evolve. Yeah, yeah. Like change is a constant, especially in a startup. Just that's the one thing you can count on, and it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's been again. I think it's been critical over the last couple of years. I think if, if I think about my business, so we our bread and butter is HR recruitment, and so March 2020, that pretty much fell off a cliff. If I was sort of just doubling down on that activity you know you sure you don't need an hr director you sure you don't that yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't be here now so i think it's critical especially in the environment that we live in because we have to expect the unexpected these days don't we yep yeah yeah and, and with regards to your leadership approach then is there a piece of advice that someone's ever given you or an experience that you had early on earlier on in your career <clears throat> that's really shaped your approach to leadership that you can recall um yeah, I mean, there's a dozen to choose from, but I'd say it'll dovetail into, um, you know, the, the, the individuals or an individual that I look to as being an exemplary, exemplary leader uh, okay. from my perspective um, was, the, was the gentleman who gave me my first chance at actually having a day, to, a day job, a career. Okay. Um, a gentleman by the name of Fred Cook. And Fred, when I met him, was 1996. It was my first real job in a PR firm. Mm -hmm. And it was in Los Angeles. I had just moved there from Dallas, Texas, you know, pretty wet behind the ears. And he'll tell you that I was nervous. And he wrote that in a book. Um, but he, he gave me a chance to sit down and chat. And the thing that I think what ended up, you know, the result of that was he didn't have a particular role, but who I was, what I brought to the table, my the way I thought about uh, the problem and the thing that I did in the interview, one of which was I had actually researched him on the internet. And this is 1996 where people weren't really yeah. doing much of that beyond mm -hmm. AOL and Prodigy and these, these online services. Yeah. I came with a book of printouts from the agencies that I was trying to get a job at. And I had information on him and Golan Harris, which is the firm, and he'd never seen it before. <laughs> and he ended up giving me a job. He hired me on the spot. And that was my first break in the second largest market in the United States with no experience whatsoever. But he took a chance on something different. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he wasn't trying to find somebody that fits a mold. Yeah. That, oh, I, I need another account executive that can do this in this, in this industry. He is looking for a variety of new DNA. Probably the best way to put it. Yeah. He hired. He would hire. He hired a barista in the coffee shop in the lobby of our building because he saw something there. Yes. Now he would always take chances, and I, I thought that that was, you know, an inclusive, extreme inclusion is probably the best way to put it. Like diversity, it doesn't even doesn't even capture his approach to cultivating talent and trying to bring different views and people together to create great things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one thing. And I, I kind of carry that with me here 
Yeah. Uh, the, the term we use for this value is celebrate differences, act as one. And it spans all diversity, all inclusion. It's ideas, culture, ethnicity, sexual yeah. orientation, because with that comes amazing stuff. Absolutely. Right? There's, there's healthy friction. There's energy. There's perspectives that you never thought would actually be applicable to something that is completely mm-hmm. orthogonal to the problem, but you wind up with an excellent solution. If you're homogenized in the way you approach it, you're going to get a homogenized result. Yeah, absolutely. So, which is not good anywhere, but I think when you're developing tech and you're working in that kind of space and you're trying to bring teams together, I think it's absolutely paramount. I love that. So that's yeah. Value. Yeah, it's, it is. I think that's uh, people underestimate that. Be uncomfortable. Learn new stuff. Yes. Learn about others. Be tolerant. Right. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. With challenge comes change, I would say. And and so with regards to advice that you'd offer someone looking to follow in your footsteps then, so either someone that's got their sights set on being chief exec one day or someone that's just st- take, taken a step up into a leadership role, is there any advice that you would share with them? Um, I think the first off, what, what do you really want? Like, what do you want to do? Be honest about what you want to do and why. Mm-hmm. And what you're good at and what you're not. And if you want to be in a leadership role, be brutally honest about that because you want to surround yourself with people that fill the blanks and fill the gaps that you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, back to what I was saying earlier, like be very honest about that. Don't try to be something you're not. Um, there's also a factor that's, I don't want to say it's haunted me, but every transition that I've gone through, uh, I've had a pretty healthy bout with imposter syndrome. and i think those that there's those that actually have that uh, i think they have it for a reason and that is they recognize where they have gaps and Mm -hmm. they want to be good at it and they are they they know that oh yeah i may not be as good as this but you know what you really are if you just take the time yeah because you're the one with that attitude you're going to actually learn along the way Mm -hmm. um so be okay with imposter syndrome embrace it Yes. It's uncomfortable, but it works to your advantage. Yeah, and it's probably not going anywhere. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, yeah, there's a there's a couple of other things that I'll share, but I'll, I'll hold that I'll hold back. Okay, okay. If you have any other questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really interested. So you mentioned Frank Cook. Fred Cook. Yeah, from your early career. Are uh, there other leaders, sort of past or present, famous or otherwise, that you particularly admire? And if so, what is it about them? Um. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I have to, I have to give a nod to my father, because he imprinted me with uh, values, um, business values, mm-hmm. um, the importance of some of the basics when it comes to, you know, being on time for meetings and being polite. Mm-hmm. He was actually he was a vice chairman of an architectural firm, so he was pretty high up in the ranks in that in the organization. Um, I again, I I learned a lot from him. Also learned a lot about what not to do. I, I think I had a different, I had a softer side in some areas, like with people, uh, and still do. But generally speaking, he was he was a, a pretty big inspiration for me. Others that I had, others that really impressed me, um, a gentleman by the name of Keith Cresson, who was the SVP of the division that I was in at Qualcomm, the the, the Snapdragon chipset group, which is the core kind of product development or product management group within the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith was an amazing listener. He, you know, he, 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 he didn't render judgment. He would always be inquisitive and ask questions 
primarily to see what the thought process was and lead you down this path, whether he intended to or not. I've never had the conversation with him, but he was the kind of guy that you really wanted to work for. And he also took chances when, so my first half of my career at Qualcomm was focused on wireless audio and music, which most of my career had been in that realm, either with direct to consumer or in the music business or here, high tech Wi-Fi audio around the house. And I made a big pivot to artificial intelligence halfway through my tenure at Qualcomm, A, because the opportunity was there, B, Qualcomm was in a big transition. And if you're gonna stay with the company, you wanted to be in the mothership on the big island, not on the small fringe that could get washed over by the tidal wave if things go sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this challenge of, there's this really interesting technology in corporate R&D that can make all these cool user experiences real. like not science fiction, but AI at the time was still kind of at peak. It hadn't hit the peak of the hype curve. Mm -hmm. And Keith saw this opportunity for a variety of reasons, one of which is it's new software and the way that we're doing things today is not going to be the way we do them. Let's get ahead of the game. And he took a chance on me not even interviewing me. My my boss hired me and he said it was the first time that he ever green-lighted somebody working on his team that he didn't meet. So he had taking chances but seeing an opportunity was something that ran counter to the conventional wisdom in the company, okay. big, big risk that he took and for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, there are a few others, but those would probably be ones that really stick out. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And with regards to reading, I'm always really interested to understand what CEOs and business leaders are either reading, have read, or the kind of content it consuming at the moment, whether they're, podcasts or audiobooks. Are there any books or podcasts that stand out to you that have influenced your leadership style or influenced you in any way in the past? Um, well, there's a few. Um, from a from a podcast standpoint, I listen to A16Z, which is the podcast for uh, Andreessen Horowitz, the, the venture capital guys out in the Silicon Valley. Okay. Um, they have a pretty broad range of topics in business, everything from startups to scale-ups to enterprises and all things in between. Okay. Um, from a, In terms of books, uh, and I have to credit somebody else for having to turn me on to a few of these as I was working through a lot here, mm-hmm. um, one of which is called The Messy Middle by okay. Scott Belsky. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it takes the reader, mostly leaders, uh, including CEOs, but on the journey of the reality that a startup is not about, you know, hey, I got the funding, and then it's just a, an ascension up into to greatness. It's like an erratic heartbeat. Everything is up and down. Yeah. It's just an absolute train wreck in the middle, <laughs> and you have to be willing to accept that. And that book did more for me, and I've been in two prior startups before this one. That did more to ground my thinking and help me be comfortable with the ambiguity and the uncertainty and the fact that it's okay. Uh-huh. Things are completely out of control. Yeah. More people that are in startups should actually read that. Even those that have been in the in startups before, it's a pretty big eye opener of a book. Yeah, sounds a good read. Thank uh, you. For it, that it is. It is. Um, Range is another one by David Epstein. Okay. Um, my specialization, or two specializations, one been music, the other's been AI, machine learning, two very broad spaces. Uh-huh. Um, and then PR, e-commerce, brand, product marketing, product management, like a variety. I'd say that 
range, the book, the book range is all about having range that you can be a specialist and spend your entire life doing the same thing. That's fine. You know, you can learn things by rote. You can practice, 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 practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but also don't discount breadth. Don't discount the range. And it goes yeah. back to my, my, my explanation of the diversity of DNA in solving problems. Being able to harness information and knowledge from different ecosystems and different sectors. And you know, yeah. for, me, I've been, for me, it's been about information and accumulating knowledge. And if the challenge is interesting enough, regardless of where it is, I'll settle down and I'll figure it out. Yeah. But that's a good book to be comfortable with being more of a generalist because yeah. generalists can actually be quite successful. Yeah. Uh, I used to think you had to be a specialist in a certain area to be successful when I was younger. And, and that's not the case. And this book really helps you understand that. Yeah. Um, there's one that I'm reading now by a gentleman who used to be at Yahoo when I was there. His name's David Reamer. And he had spent a great deal of his career since Yahoo helping startups uh, and companies tell their stories. Uh, He's got a book that he just put out last month called Get Your Startup Story Straight. And it's all about that story that you, Mm -hmm. if you want to sell the idea, if you want to get funding, it's the story that's really going to get you somebody at the table to like turn your way and listen to what you have to say. Because they don't want the same, the same business model in a different industry doesn't help. It's like, what is that real story, personal or otherwise, that will hook the reader Mm -hmm. to get them interested in what you're trying to do and the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. Um, And the last one, going back to Fred Cook, he wrote a book after having been the the CEO and chairman of Golan Harris. And he's currently, uh, he heads up the um, Center for Public Relations uh, board at USC in, in Los Angeles, the Annenberg School. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book back in 2014 called Improvise, Unconventional Career Advice from an Unlikely CEO. So he too ended up falling into the CEO role at Golan Harris. It wasn't something he set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a, a very interesting background, going from a doorman at the Biltmore across from the building that we were at to spending a lot of time in the music industry to you know, rising up in a, in a multinational organization, mm-hmm. being a very big leader of people in industry. Um, again, this, there's a lot that goes back to this variety, DNA. Yeah. Um, there's a common thread there, but he was an unlikely CEO, and I think that I fit the bill too. Yeah. All great recommendations. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing those. My pleasure. And so what's going on at Second Mind over the course of this year, over the next six, nine, 12 months? What can you share with us that's going to be happening this year? Um, the way I explained it, to the, explained it to the staff last year when we went through this transition and when I explained it to the board when I pitched a longer-term plan, um, was 2021 for us was a rebuilding year. Right? Mm-hmm. We had everything from the belief system, values, the way we do things, how we organize, even the industry that we're going to focus on, it was there, but now it's the primary focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we're in the automotive industry, there's kind of a racing metaphor here. So like picture a Formula One car with the engine being rebuilt. Mm-hmm. This year for us, it's about the racing. It's about the circuit. It's about going out and and getting in the race and fine tuning what we do and our skills, our technology, our equipment, all of it, mm-hmm. and generating demand for this fantastic technology and the solution that we've built that is going to help and is already helping uh, OEMs and service providers in the industry tackle some of these big complex engineering problems that they're facing, like mm-hmm. 
calibrating an engine or an electric motor in a car yeah. um, may not be the sexiest thing in the world, but they are critical to get us to a place where everything is clean and safe for driving yeah. around the world. Um, this year, again, it's like try to try to really hone the technology, mm -hmm. polish what we do, become more efficient and get us to a point in 2023 where we can capitalize on the demand that we built, scale up the business, branch out beyond the current problems that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. And really, we should be the only ones that are in our way or that are holding us back from trying more stuff. But yeah. we will have done so with the right level of discipline and rigor and focus. Mm -hmm. So at the, at the core, the foundation, there's strength versus, hey, let's go try five things and do it like peanut butter and spread out too thin. Yeah. Um, I think we're doing it the right way. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it's all crystal ball material. I, my crystal ball is not better than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's the same for a lot of business leaders at the minute. They, who knows what's coming over the horizon? So. I, I, will say, I will say, though, that I think the, there's something to be said for resilience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's a term that gets bandied about. And I actually got bandied about quite a bit in supply chain when COVID hit. Yes. Like how do you recover from these catastrophic, you know, tectonic changes and impacts to systems that have been working, yeah. albeit kind of on the edge well, but now they were put to the test. And how do you recover? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we as, a, as an organization learned how to be quite resilient throughout this because this all happened. Our transition as a company, we're in supply chain, we're in finance, automotive was coming in. Mm -hmm. We did all of this remote. Like we were a company that had really been close and collaborative. We were doing this remotely. We were tackling a new industry mm -hmm. and a problem that we had never seen firsthand, like sitting in, none of us had been on a test bench with an OEM, with the equipment. Yeah. We're doing all of this remotely and we were successful in it. We signed a multi-year license with Mazda. We proved that we can actually do this and be quite effective. Imagine what we can do when we can get back to being together. Yeah, and we're starting to do that. So yeah, yeah. maybe that's not crystal ball, but if we can do if we can do incredible stuff and we're resilient through the challenges of COVID and build a business in the process, mm -hmm. I, I I feel really good about where we're headed. Absolutely. And the team must feel that confidence. Oh, well. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, there's 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 fear of the unknown, and then you're gonna get that with 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 startups, but there's a hunger to try more stuff. Like, yeah. what's the next problem? How can we be scrappy? A willingness to fail and try new things. So, yeah, it's a different world for us than it was a year ago. Yeah, exciting times, though. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Gary, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time to share your story and, and share your views of leadership and second mind with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, thanks for being generous with the time, too. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>